0: Tune it, Perfect. it's fine. Once <laughs> I like a little out of tune version. <laughs> if you've got
1: a question, the voices of resin i hate. Oh,
0: Plastics Plastics is an SPE sponsored podcast. Hey, Hello. it's good to see you. It is really good to see you. And back in your little house, you're not
1: on the road. I'm not like in Sheboygan. I'm not in Addison. I am in Chicago.
0: In or even at your house. I feel like and that's even around. Yeah. Wow. Does your yeah. house still know you or has... I haven't even seen the living room yet.
1: I just walked in the door <laughs> for Sheboygan. <laughs> that's fair. I'm sure it yeah. fine. Um, fine. but me. Uh, it's But it's... Yeah, it's good.
0: Um. I'm Mercedes and <laughs> And I'm Lindsay Nebel. And with our powers combined, we are... Plastic. <laughs> the voices of resin. That's us. We are just we get better with age, I think. Just just
1: stellar. So <laughs> uh so,
0: yeah. Hey. Yeah, we're so, here. <laughs> we um we're doing a new episode of the podcast. Sometimes they start off a little rough in the evening because I think it's the the choosing the nighttime. At the nighttime we're we're a little tired. I had a heavy dinner. You know, it's it's fine. Maybe we'll do a morning podcast next time. See how we, we do. We both wake up very early because we're both in manufacturing. We are early people. Um, so this is actually, dare I say it, I think this is the first episode of season four. Really? I believe so. We are, like, what? seasoned veterans now. Yeah, four seasoned. Well, three se- three.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we started this podcast what a couple of years ago um three three wow yeah so we yeah, we do. just want to talk with and um with people in the industry in the plastics industry and learn from them and share their stories and and um really um expose the 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 world the the podcast listening world and youtube watching world to um to our world right that um a lot of people don't know about
0: And just a great excuse to, you know, see someone cool who's doing cool stuff and just be like, Hey, I'd like to talk to you for a podcast. That's my, that's my whole reason for doing this. It's all selfish. Absolutely. And to get to talk to each other, that too, also (laughs) selfish. Um, You can find us on, we're on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, all the cool places. And then a week after the first Friday of every month, we also come out with the video version on YouTube video. That's probably an old word showing my geriatric millennial. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Um, So today uh, we are going to be speaking with uh, Toy Clark Jones. uh, That's T-O-I. And uh, she is the vice president of sales and business development at Influx. So welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Mercedes. Thank you, Lindsay. We're Mercedes. so
1: excited to talk to you. Actually, you you are are, are you and, and Influx are the reason that Lindsay and I first broke quarantine to see each other.
0: <laughs> it is true. That <laughs> right <laughs> after having a baby too. Like not even not even, I was like a month out and I was like, let's do this. So I, all three we,
2: kids, yeah. we greatly appreciate it too. <laughs> you guys were outstanding in helping us with our fearless innovation series. And, you know, you're on our website for posterity. So. Oh, look at us. (laughs) We, Um,
1: it was was such, it was so neat to get to come for that, for the fearless innovation series, which maybe we can touch on as well. Um, But there's so many things we want to talk with you about, but um, it, it, so that, that event that you guys hosted uh, kind of a series of events that you hosted in in place of NPE you guys reached out to us to see if we wanted to be involved and do a segment. And, uh, and we were completely flattered. I think it was the first time we had the experience of like feeling like we were suddenly being recognized.
0: Like. <laughs> yeah. For, like, more than like just that girl who happened to be in that one call that one time. <laughs> Cause, cause we've, had the, we've had that, we get that a lot, but it was yeah. neat to, to be interacting
1: with each other and see you and Amy watching us interact and almost like you already kind of knew us. It was neat to kind of
2: <laughs> you have that effect on people, but it did. It felt like it felt like we knew you, um, and now we do. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, what we really were looking for, and what you guys really brought, was this energy of you know. Sometimes in the plastics industry, things can feel a little stale, <laughs> and we didn't want our our um, fearless innovation series to have that vibe. So you guys brought this energy that really helped. Um, because we had so many segments and so we wanted you know we wanted a QA that was not like a normal q a and so you guys really really you brought it so thank you
0: well and i really liked that you guys kind of did it in that like i mean you guys self called it the the sportscaster style and it did it, it did make it a lot more fun like you know surface level it's kind of the same thing you know you're sitting there you're asking questions but just presenting it as like uh like sportscaster style i know i had a lot more fun like you know you kind of felt like you're hammering it up a little bit extra because it was just it was it was it was a lot of fun to do that especially in that like style and like throwing it over to other people and yeah i really enjoyed it but we should probably backtrack and first ask you well, I
1: was gonna say, like, it was cool for us to be, you know, have that experience. But then it was great because we really started to learn about Influx more than because because we have, you know, a mutual friend who who works there. But we really still didn't understand too much. So it was like mind blowing to come and see, you know, what you guys do, and just to meet you and your team. And so when we were thinking about planning for the next series of interviews, it was like, oh, we got to talk to Toy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so. oh, well, I appreciate it. I'm terrified, but I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> fearless innovation. Fearless. Yeah, get We're over fearful. it. It can be fearful innovation. Yeah, it's fine. No, no,
2: fearless. You got to get over your fear.
0: <laughs> so, I guess for like step one, for people who are listening to this and they're going, okay she sounds amazing but what's influx can you give the one two minute synopsis you can take 10 minutes if you really wanted but
2: <laughs> i won't take 10 minutes but okay influx first of all i have to say we are uh headquartered outside of cincinnati ohio Hence my <laughs> cincinnati bingles gotta do it
0: because we're it. Going to-
2: Super Bowl, if you haven't heard but um so influx is a company that really it's it's kind of unique because we have this game changing software that's all about changing the way plastic is molded um, so instead of the traditional way where plastic is really controlled by the velocity of the injection molding machine, our software kind of takes over and molds plastic based on what's happening with the the melt and the mold. So we're pressure. We, we manage the pressure or we, we control the pressure of the machine and we actually um, change the way the plastic is molded. But we're unique because not only do we have a software, but we also have a mold building and innovation center. And we build molds primarily for Procter & Gamble, which is our parent company, but for some others as well. And the learning that we have around part design and mold design and mold flow just helps reinforce what's needed with the base software. But then it also informs what we do with software innovation. So adding new features, which are more autonomous. So it's more about machine learning and trying to make the software do more things that help people run their operations much more um, smoothly with better quality. And one of the big features that we have is more sustainably. So the ability to run different types of resins, but not have to fight the machine to do it. So (laughs) that's kind of who we are in a nutshell. I mean, honestly, to not have to fight a machine just
0: sounds like some fever dream, because I feel like any time <laughs> I've ever molded, at some point I am fighting the machine.
1: <laughs> right. Or the meat machine is fighting the resin, whereas like, you know, <laughs> fighting like, artistic brain, I'm like, oh, this this method is more like uh, the
2: resin is telling the machine what to do. Right. Well, yeah, the, the we put the mold and the, and the resin more in control than the machine is in control. And so you can, you have more levers to work with. You can do more things.
0: And, you know, you think about the injection molding industry in general and like the, yeah, like ideal world, you have all these like top notch machines and like, you can just set one process and like you live your best life. And that is so far from the truth. Um, (laughs) You know, it, one shop can have machines that are, you know, 30 years old and, you know, five days old. And so to, to take a little bit of that variable out of it is just, um, I mean, God, it's got so, so so many problems. Like, you know, I obviously never had the chance, um, you know, to do anything like that in like any of the shops I've been in and now I'm not exactly in injection molding, but, um, yeah, I could see a lot less crying.
2: That I think that just in general, how I would feel. We don't want tears. people crying. We don't want people. We don't want tears. But you know, the the um, the machine industry, you know, they've done a lot of innovation over the years. You know, mm-hmm. some are are known for innovation more than others. But at the end of the day, the the conventional process of of injection molding hasn't changed substantially in decades. And so, influx. It's exciting to be, you know, in um, in an industry that hasn't had much change and work on a technology that is trying to instill that change. Believe me, it's frustrating as well, (laughs) but it's more exciting than it is frustrating. So,
0: well, and you know, you're, you're saying like the injection molding industry hasn't had that much change and like you're billion percent spot on. And then you think about it and like pretty much the majority, and this is where I'm going to show my injection molding favoritism, the majority of plastic, you know, Components are injection molded, and yes, Mercedes. I know other stuff does other things. Everything but has let's, to be treated first, for the most part. But let's be honest: <laughs> injection molding is the most important. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and to to think about that—that's you know—that's such a a huge market to be not ignoring, but like like you said, you guys are doing a lot of innovation in an area that doesn't necessarily get that much it's more of a it's good let's leave it alone (laughs) Yeah.
1: so so how so this initially influx was it's still a subsidiary of of, of procter gamble right or it's yeah but it started as as an actual um business unit is
2: that correct of procter- not a business, business unit it started really as a research and development project if you will you know it was it wasn't in a business unit it was um we had in procter and gamble there was an organization that really was doing kind of innovation research in in plastics and um because procter and gamble actually is a huge you know injection motor and blow molder um or I shouldn't say they're a blow molder or injection molder. They're a huge buyer of injection molding and blow molding. Um, And then we do also do injection molding internally on toothbrushes and on razors. But um, it it started as a project that was charged with, how do we do injection molding in half the time and half the cost? Um, And so that project kind of grew inside the company Um, this technology was incubated inside the company and the decision was made to spin it off into a subsidiary, you know, many of the things that Procter & Gamble does um, innovate, a lot of times if the company wants to um, use it but not really make it into a business unit, they license it. And so that is a model that's very well-worn. But in this case, the company decided we don't want to license it. We want to actually still control it a bit because we think that it has advantages for the global world um, and we want to be a part of that. And so um, that's one of the big reasons why Influx is still a wholly owned subsidiary because um, Procter & Gamble, like many companies, has sustainability goals, stated sustainability goals, um, and Ours is called Ambition Twenty Thirty. That's the um, that's how we brand the work that we're doing around sustainability. And one of the goals is to make sure that no Procter and Gamble packaging ends up in a place where it shouldn't, so in oceans and you know um, discarded in ways that that we don't want for the the health of the of the global world. And Influx kind of just expands that vision to say not only no P&G product, but no plastic product, like no injection molded product should find its way to an ocean, for example. So that that is important to Procter & Gamble. And so they they continue to fund um, the work of Influx.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really cool and really um. I mean, ambitious and in the best way possible. Um, do you have any examples of some of the stuff, you know, you guys are doing to keep, you know, whether that be Procter & Gamble parts out or, um, it, I mean, is it all just through like lightweighting in the parts or design control or is it um, you being able to switch between back
1: and forth between recycled and, and yeah. Broken?
2: So, we have, um, you know, there are lots of features to the the base technology of Influx, and um, the features, you know, result in things like improving cycle time. So, you know, you can have more throughput and save mm-hmm. amount of time. Energy reduction, so less energy per part. That's a sustainability play. Um, but the big one um, for that's most recognized is we have a feature called auto viscosity adjust. And with that feature, we're able to, um, because we are, you know, monitoring and managing what's happening inside the mold so closely and we're closing the loop right at the nozzle, we're able to um, adjust to viscosity change um, automatically. And so what that means is that hard to run resins, Recycle resins fall in that, but also some, you know, highly engineered resins mm-hmm. fall into that. Um, and we're able to manage that in a way that the operator doesn't have to make so many adjustments. So that feature, you know, helps um, companies use kind of a broader portfolio of resins than they than they um, qualified on. Um,
0: mm-hmm. so
2: new part. It, you know, nobody wants to re-qualify <laughs> it's kind of the bane of my existence as a salesperson is that, you know, our sales cycle takes a long time because once people understand the benefit, they're like, how do I do this without qualifying? <laughs> and, and, and they can't. So then that they put it in line for a new project. And so, um, our sales cycles are very long.
1: <laughs> so yeah, and you, you mentioned, we talked about like how the, injection molding industries and, and people in general are, are a little bit reluctant to change anything, right? Um, and we've talked about how, um, you know, you, you how Inflex helps Procter & Gamble, you know, reach their um, sustainability goals. But I must imagine that having that relationship with Procter & Gamble and the pedigree of being um, so, so closely tied to Procter & Gamble um, must help uh, give you that credibility with with new customers and existing customers, right?
2: It's a, logical, no, no. a logical thought, but not really. <laughs> not as much as I would like. Um, I would say, you know, we think of our customers in different ways. So we have, you know, molders, which sometimes those molders are, a lot of times those molders are um, custom molders. So they're molding for some brand owner. Mm -hmm. And in the case where they're molding for a brand owner, like Procter & Gamble, most of the molding that's done is done externally to the company by third party molders. Mm -hmm. And in that case, I would say there is probably a little bit of, okay, that's interesting (laughs) (laughs) for for people who mold for themselves. um, I would say it's probably even a bigger selling point because they're they're controlling everything they're seeing, you know, their profit and loss change directly with any change that they can make. So they probably have a better appreciation. But in general, what I've found, and it's been kind of surprising since I've been in this plastics industry, nobody cares. Like everything is, everybody is pretty internally focused on their own challenges, mm-hmm. their own opportunities, and they could care less <laughs> about our pedigree. They want to know what can you do for me now? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tell you sometimes we have a slide that we had that talked about our, you know, our founding and our history and uh- I can't tell you the number of meetings I've been in where people are like, yeah, yeah. Get on with, get on with it. Move on.
1: That's great. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's really it. Like what's in it for me, right? When you're, when you're a salesperson that's the question that you have to envision your customers asking. Right. And you, you didn't originally come from sales. You were in purchasing finance.
2: Yeah. So I started my career in finance um, way back in 1990 in Procter and Gamble. And then after a, couple of years, about four years, I moved to purchasing really as a stopgap measure. I I didn't think I'd be there very long, but it sounded interesting. I thought, I'll try this out, and then I'll probably end up leaving the company. Um, But I really loved it. I I spent um, close to over 15 years buying all kinds of things. Um, I never bought plastic. I never bought resin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I did, you know, I did buy commodities, so I understand how markets like this operate. Um, and so, and I got to buy, you know, everything from tangible things like equipment to market-driven things like wood pulp to um, services like marketing services. So I had a real, a real great breadth um, in my purchasing roles. And the biggest thing is that develops my commercial skills. And so when I joined Influx, kind of on the sales and business development side, it wasn't because I had a ton of sales experience. It was because I have the commercial mind um, to bring to this. And really, you know, our selling is not, um, it's not typical selling. It's, it's really relationship-based and it's, it's trying to help people solve problems. And that's kind of what I've done through most of my career. So,
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if I did some purchasing at my last company, um, just based on size of company and, you know, I'm more apt to trust somebody who has seen, you know, how I'm purchasing, what I'm purchasing has kind of that, um, you know, again, not that it's necessarily in plastic, but has seen what I'm up against (laughs) before you come in and try and sell me something. Yeah, Exactly
1: and and that exactly. being that that being said though also well you know I was really impressed digging through you know when i was when I was internet stalking you finding <laughs> uh, uh, somebody had written a um a, a a recommendation or a review of of working with you and mentioned um uh toy is probably capable of turning any truly stuck business relationship around when everyone has lost hope toy will find a way to get things moving again right oh wow and so <laughs> that's, that's i mean like it's 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 incredible to me to to that you really just just bring all of your knowledge from the purchasing side and all my, purchasing and all these different avenues to sales and then suddenly just just dominating <laughs> like oh, that. Yeah.
0: Thank you. <laughs> well, and especially in like an industry like the plastics industry, you know, it can be a little stodgy, a little stuck, a little. This is what we do. Really be careful. That's the majority of our listeners still you know. listen. I already <laughs> said injection molding is my favorite. I threw it out <laughs> there.
2: I've got the background. It's no fine. My first, my first buying role was in the capital. Was buying equipment. And um, <laughs> similar, very similar. <laughs> I remember going to my first trade show and it was at the McCormick Center in Chicago. And there, I went to the bathroom and there were no women. There were there was no line. There was no line in the bathroom. And I said, this says it all, right? Yep. Um, I was not only, you know, one of few women there, I was by far the youngest. I brought the average age down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it was great because it, I learned so much and then I brought a different way of doing things and people, you know, have embraced that. I, I have found throughout most of my career, people have embraced more than they have defined the difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I moved into buying wood pulp, um, <laughs> I spent five years in that industry, a globally, you know, a global commodity industry that's very insular and once again, nobody looked like. Me. In fact, one time um, when I led our pulp organization, our pulp buying organization, I had a team of all women. There were four women on my team. Wow, you know, I love it. Uh, five women, three of us in North America, and two in Europe, and we would go to these didn't go to these trade shows, um, and people would be. Um, clamoring to have meetings with us. Now, one was because Procter & Gamble is a huge buyer in that area. <laughs> oh, yeah. but also, people would tell us all the time, your meetings are so different. They're just different. They're fun. <laughs> we get a lot done. We get a lot accomplished, but they're also fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have found, you know, I've been in, I've been in industry several times where um, it's not been something that is expected, you know, but um, I find that people are people. And if you focus in on, on what they are trying to achieve and you try to help them in that area, then everything, all the defensives come down, you know, so I don't mind. I, I tell these old guys sometimes that, I, uh, that I'm with and I, I, don't, I mean old in the best way because I'm old. <laughs> I'm a grandmother. So, um, but I often say, you know, I'm not scared of you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Cause I think we're still like out, getting out of our terrified of them face.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah and, you know, we, we were, well, first of all, we do love when we go to trade shows and like, yes, I wish there were more women at the trade shows, but the, uh, non special times. Like, we uh, It is our meeting
1: place. It's like (laughs) it's our secret room. Nobody can come with us. We have a lot of bathroom bathroom
0: stories, adventures. uh,
1: Yeah, always just 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 uh, empty, completely.
0: Yeah, (laughs) a lot a lot of snacks consumed in the bathroom. I feel like I feel like we're just always eating snacks in there. It's fine. A lot of catching up. A lot of catching up.
1: Um, The other the other five women who are (laughs) given. But
0: you know, I love I love. You know how you're saying because uh, you know obviously there's a big push in like diversity, and you know, um, SP has started the diversity, equity, and inclusion advisory board, and um, I'm a part of that. And you know, it's a big car- um, part of the conversation with um, the executive board and a new, a new conversation, right? a new conversation, yes, very new conversation. And but also, what we're finding is not a lot of the other manufacturing type. Um, industries are really having the conversation seriously just yet. yeah. And, you know, as you're saying, I love, you know, it's, it's not about pointing out the differences, but it's just about bringing a new perspective. And that's, there is nothing wrong with that. And as you know, all these studies are starting to show is it's actually usually way better for your business. And like, it, it's, it's awesome. such a no brainer, um, and I think I just love that like you're living proof of like, yep, we're we're not the same.
2: And that makes it even better for what we're doing. Absolutely. You know, it, it's even as simple, this is going to sound really crazy and you feel free to cut this out of the pocket. <laughs> um, my husband and I, so we are, we're both the same race. We both grew up in similar types of families. We have Hopefully we both have common values. That's why we're married. But we, um, you know, when we go to buy something, a major purchase, like we don't agree. (laughs) We come at it very different. And when we find the thing that we can agree on, it is the best thing. Now it's hard to get from where we start to where we end up. But when we do end up there, it's like, oh, I feel so good about this, you know, and that I feel like that's the same way in business. Like you should, couldn't expect to all come from the same point of view. Right. But and so when we get to the final place where we can align on something that makes sense, it's probably a better thing, you
1: know, <laughs> and it feels amazing. <laughs> it feels amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably the right approach, because uh, my husband and I have been purchasing a lot of like different furniture for our house and yeah. I think I've just told him probably like 15 times in the past week he has terrible taste and I will never buy anything he wants so it's and, going and really
1: mean, well and for, <laughs> not me, <a> <laughs> and, and for me my winning strategy was just to get divorced just to call <laughs> there it there we have a wonderful <laughs> relationship now we really do <laughs> not romantic <laughs> and not um we don't make any purchasing decisions together except yeah right, right. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Win <laughs> win.
0: Well, we really spun this away. <laughs>
1: but get back to that that um, DEI, you know, point of the conversation. So you had been involved in. So this was previously uh, when you uh, owned your own business. It was a you were part of the National Minority Supplier Development Council.
2: Yeah, yeah. And NMSDC. So NMSDC is. Um, an organization that really helps um, minority businesses um, get a seat at the table. So, um, you know, as a corporate purchasing person for years, one of the things that we did was focused on how do we shrink our supply base? And mm-hmm. it, it was around how to manage that better. But one of the unintended consequences of that is you shut out um new suppliers, new thinking almost, right? You Mm -hmm. can, if you're going to consolidate, you're consolidating with people who are tried, true, proven, and, and big. And um, NMSDC is way, is way older than when that effort of consolidation started, but it's the same thinking. And so um, one of the things that the organization does is helps, um, especially big companies, member companies um, to find, smaller businesses, minority owned businesses that infuse, you know, new ways of doing things and are competitive in different ways. And so, you know, um, I, I enjoyed being a part of of that organization as a minority business. I I did it twice. So I was affiliated with it as a corporate buyer, and -hmm. then I switched and became an independent consultant. So I was affiliated with it as a minority business, Um, there's training involved. There's, you know, there's conferences where they do kind of pitch competitions or matchmaking and all that kind of stuff, but it's exposure. Um, they go through an extensive vetting process to make sure that your business is not just minority owned, but minority managed and operated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that gives a lot of the member companies, you know, confidence um, of what they're, you know, who they're engaging with because they, you know, Years ago, before before this, there were a lot of front companies that would, um, you know, have minority ownership, but really the management and control was by somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a great organization and um, they do a lot to facilitate both for the member companies as well as for the smaller businesses that they're trying to help grow. Um, I feel like we should put that in our show notes, if we
0: remember, because we always say we're going to put stuff in our show notes and then I don't think we ever do. But um, sure. Yeah, sure. Do we, we do. OK, well, as long as somebody's know. doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> but, you know, because I, I think a lot of like the like baby stepping in DEI right now and manufacturing is, you know, just try and diversify your supply chain. And I, I think a lot of people are like, OK, and I, I've heard this from some people. OK, great. Where do I even I don't know anyone that can diversify my supply chain. I only know the people who are like me that are up, you yeah. know, and so to have um, access to, you know, something like that, that actually says, we did the work for you. You just yeah. got to come in and see who works with you and you're good. Um, I think that's a huge, a huge, just first step even.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally is. You know, a lot of companies, I mean, every company is not like huge, like, you know, Procter & Gamble. (laughs) Well, a lot of companies' supply base is really local. It's Mm -hmm. geographically local. Mm -hmm. And so they only know who they know. (laughs) Exactly. So you're absolutely right. That is a big thing that the NMSDC works to uh, break down that artificial barrier.
0: Put it in the show
2: notes, probably.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And if not, just go back to this part of the podcast (laughs) and go to that website. (laughs) So how big, how big is, is
1: your, uh, department? How many, how many reports do you have? How many? Oh
2: yeah Well, I have, um, my team is not huge, but it's big. So we have, um, four salespeople who are part of my organization, as well as three application engineers. Um, we have our first application engineer who's in China, who's who's outside of Shanghai, um, who's a part of our organization, um, and so we work. You know that that's my direct reports, but with that, we have you know a group of program managers that we that we work closely with to you know make sure that we're satisfying our customer requirements. So, so yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, we have. Well, actually, no, I just hired, but we have five, <laughs> I have five um, salespeople. Actually, we have one focused on mold um, molds and then four focused on um, the software. And I got to ask
0: you the age old question, because I I'm you know, my background is a lot of like program management program, project engineering, that type of stuff. And um, I've had a lot of us versus them you know, engineering versus like commercial business development. Um, and I feel like, I feel like if I were working with you, I wouldn't, I, I feel like I would never be that. I would just be like, yes, absolutely. Whatever you need. And like, how do you make that relationship work when right. it's a lot of times people come into it with those preconceived, like it didn't work last time. This time's going to be the same. How do you overcome that with your team and with, you know the people you work that aren't doing the selling,
1: and and actually yeah. to feedback on that just just because I read you, I was stalking you toy <laughs> online. Um, there is proof of that toy like having that response like relationship with everyone. Well, There's another like review that somebody wrote about her. It's like doesn't matter if she's like if you're you know in a different department working with her, if you're buying from her, if you're directly reporting to her, if you're managing her, like she is the best. <laughs>
2: See,
0: I did <laughs> like, my I did my non-online stocking <laughs> So we're coming at you from all I'm not online myself. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where this is
2: coming from. I'm feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um so I'll give you an example. Um, At Influx, we have something every year called iWeek. iWeek is a week of investing in ourselves. So everybody in the company has the opportunity to both uh, put on a class and take a class. So we encourage everybody, you know, everybody knows something. So we have a whole, you know, catalog of things that people can offer for people to take and then people sign up and take the class. Well, this year... For iWeek, instead of me putting on the class, we have a a team of sales consultants that I've been using for our sales team, and we created a class called Sales for Non-Sales People, Hmm. and it was uh, it was kind of a stealth way to get at what you're talking about, Lindsay. You know, some of our technical partners they are um, they're they're selling the technology way more than we are, quite frankly. We go in and open the door, but they're the ones who really demonstrate and and create that bond with the customer that makes them want to buy. And so we needed to make them aware that, you know, you have a lot of influence here and we need to be talking. Our language sometimes can get in the way. Like we need to be talking in a way that really brings the customer in and, and moves them through so that they want it, you know. And so this sales for non-salespeople was all about like, in a stealth way, creating the comfort with technical people to want to be a part of the sales process, without like telling them, "Hey, you're in the sales process." Um, are you so, offering
0: that class for your favorite podcasters? Yeah. I'm just <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> Listen, I will come I, during high week. I will yeah. sneak in. Nobody'll know.
1: <laughs> I really, really love this. I mean, I am. I wrote this down in my notes and I highlighted it. And I am I want to try to, uh, you know, as as my company grows, it's like, it's like, okay. And as, as my vision of everything gets bigger, it's like, okay, how do we solve a lot of these interdepartmental issues or communication, you know, issues? And it's like, wow, this is so valuable because not only is, not only are we offering uh, knowledge to other departments and sharing knowledge, but it's also like, we feel seen and we feel heard once we're presenting it, and people are signing up for the class. And it just seems like it could create such great um, company. Could could help create such great company culture, which is totally evident. in influx when we came and visited you, it was amazing.
2: that <laughs> yeah. week is great. I wish I, I I thought I had it here, but it doesn't look like it's close. Yeah. No. So this. So I told you we have a, a mold shop, a mold building. So I don't know if you can really see this, but this is a um, just a bar mm-hmm. of metals. I mean, it's a bar, <laughs> a bar of steel. And what we, the class that I took last year, where we got to make this, was a um, polishing, a mold polishing class. Oh, so I love that guys so much! Shop, right, the guys in our mold shop that do um, the finishing work put on this class, and we, and I got to, you can't see the gradients here, but I got to polish with different, um, different types of sandpaper. I don't know. (laughs) I got to polish to different finishes uh, across. There's five different finishes here on this bar, but I keep this here on my desk because I love that class because I walk past those guys all the time, and i all the value that they're delivering here, but actually doing the work with my hands, then I had a a very different appreciation for the work that they're delivering for our customers.
0: Uh, I'm totally going to use this idea. And see, that's exactly exactly (laughs) where like in, you know, past jobs, there's been times where it's like, you know, oh, we'll just change the surface finish. It's like, it's not that easy. It's (laughs) not easy at all. (laughs) And like (laughs) having that, like appreciation um I I could feel like if someone came to me and they're like I know this is gonna be a pain but I need the service finish change I'd be like all right you admitted you know it I will accept that
2: <laughs> right I'll right go back
1: we need this color this special effects color match done in two shots
2: okay <laughs> it's just a color change yeah <laughs> Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah, that that's so that's so great because you know, now I'm at a much bigger company and like, well, it's a different commercial atmosphere for me. Like I don't I don't talk to our customers at all anymore, but I'm not really like in the like meaty um you know, technical part of it, which meaty is is the actual professional description for, um, <laughs> technical. Technical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um but yeah, like the, you can even tell, like sometimes when you're on a call, like launching a product or launching a project, um, that there is some animosity because there is such a disconnect and like, it, it's by no means the worst, you know, interaction I've ever seen. Um, and it's, it's not everyone in, you know, all those disclaimers, but like, it, it, it isn't, I, I've seen, you know, your interaction with people and, you know, obviously we've stocked enough to know that like, there isn't that animosity. And um, I just think that's really commendable in uh, an industry like this, that, like I said, lends itself towards um, cranky, fussy, stodgy.
1: And, and ultimately, I don't <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to undervalue anybody else. I don't think anybody wants to undervalue anybody else, but it's hard to. <laughs> oh. I
2: make my share of mistakes in this area. I really do. <laughs> I, I try, but I do make a lot of mistakes, too. But, you know, I, I also um, I'm pretty self-deprecating. I usually admit I, I can acknowledge a mistake. Mm-hmm. Very easily, because mm-hmm. um, I'm so comfortable. Because it happens so often. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so what's um, for people like us who are just getting? I would say getting out of like that fear of admitting mistakes and and. Being free with sharing them, we, Lindsay and I connected recently on just like how good it felt to finally be stepping in our own authenticity, right? Yeah. But, like, but how? What? Like, can you give us an example of something that you really messed up and and why you uh, took accountability for it and and the result, how that played out?
2: Oh yeah. So just this week, um, <laughs> and this okay. is a it's, it may be a small thing, but it's a big thing. So we we have a customer that um, we made an intentional effort to grow with this customer. And we put together a team of three people, a salesperson, a processing engineer, and a um, project manager, a program manager. We put them together and charged them with going off and fixing whatever we needed to fix so that we could grow with this customer. Um, The customer came back last week and said, hey, we are... We are really happy with how things have gone the last couple of months and they want to grow, basically double what we expected. So we had a goal for this team and this customer now has given us uh, an indication. It's not a commitment yet, but it's Mm -hmm. an indication that they want to double that uh, amount of growth. And I was ecstatic. And so, um, you know, the, the lead of the team is the person, the salesperson who works for me. And I was so happy especially she's a new salesperson, this will be her first big deal. And I was really focused on, you know, um, showcasing how she was leading in this area at the expense of showcasing how the group was leading in this area, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I circled back with the other players in the group to pump them up, but it was days later. And actually, I thought I had done it together. In my mind, I had done it at the same time, but I did not actually. So it's, that's a great example of it, that was not an intentional slight. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a different intent, but it, people, when people are involved, you just have to be attuned to making sure that everybody understands how valuable they are because pumping somebody up is not ever should never be at the expense of anyone, but sometimes it's a motivation to do something that does distinguish somebody differently. And you just have to be conscious of that. So that's just one example, but that it, it's something that happens, you know, quite frequently where we're dealing with people. So
1: that's, that's such a great, that's such a great point. And also important to remember, like, and it's like, okay, this is my new person. I got to pump this person up. But then you, but it's amazing that you have the the presence of mind to, in the, the, emotional intelligence to then say, Ooh, even though maybe these, you know, with other situations, maybe, maybe these other people who aren't reporting to me or, you know, those, those wouldn't necessarily be another, This was a lesson that I had to learn today for my yeah. boss. It was like, okay, maybe I'm not giving kudos to people outside of my department and it feels like I'm devaluing them. Right. Yeah, when it's like, yeah. Oh, it's my job to give, give my own team kudos, but what about this other team? I need to also recognize. Yeah, it makes sense.
0: And, you know, I, Like I'm 36 years old and I, you know, just heard this phrase from my therapist today. And she was like, your emotion is not your truth. And, and I think like looking back on like younger Lindsay, it's like, oh, you beautiful idiot. Like if you had known that <laughs> then, like, like I, that could have saved me so much. Like, because that is like a, a part of what people go off of is, is their emotion, how they right. feel about what happened is sometimes what they write and like, I for sure still do it probably will still do it and have definitely done it. But like having that phrase, I'm like, Oh, just cause I feel like that happened. It doesn't actually mean that is what happened. I'm not being slighted. You didn't slight them on purpose, but you feel like it. And then that's just going to drive the rest of it until something corrects the course.
2: I yes. have never we heard so that phrase, but
0: I'm going to use it. That is a beautiful phrase. She said it, and I was just like, I want to send you all the virtual COVID free kisses because <laughs> it's mind blowing. It's yeah. like yeah. it's lightning. We were so
1: beautiful and so dumb back then. So yes. <laughs> pretty. And so, well-rested, <laughs> so
2: <well-rested. laughs> um, well rested. So well
0: rested. Well, you know, taking a hard right turn because, um, you know, we're probably taking up way too much of your yeah, evening, but
2: right. we,
0: I got to know what cool stuff do you guys have that you're working on, whether it's necessarily like, you know, project related or even, you know, something along the lines of like your fearless innovation. What, what are you guys doing? Cause I feel like you guys always have something cool going on.
2: Oh, well, thank you. We try. We, <laughs> as part of what attracted me to Influx, it's like the I'm a part of a big company, but we're a startup. We're still a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, People don't like to hear you say that you're a startup for very long, but I feel like we're still scrappy like a startup, you know? Um, so we're doing a lot of cool things. Um, on the on the application side, you know, with our technology, we are, I told you, we've got this person in China now, so we've got Influx installed at several molders in China, and that's really challenging and exciting. Um, there's so much opportunity um, in China, and there's so much... Um, they're so open, you know. There's really a different openness because I think people in general are less um, have been in the industry a lot less, and so they're they're just very open to embracing technology in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, we focus on kind of five core markets. So the big ones that everybody probably does: with auto and medical, and packaging, and consumer products, and um, transportation and logistics. Um, and electronics would be the fifth, but within those, we're just finding so many different ways that our app, that our technology helps in these applications. So, for example, in automotive, you know, we had someone last week in Europe who, you know, was working on how to, you know, reduce the need for sequential valve gating on some big parts. And um, that was really exciting to see the results for the customer to see the the results of going from like five gates to two or one for their part without kind of tiger striping. That had to be such a nightmare. (laughs) Oh, it was their reaction about what could be was awesome. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, in medical, you know, we're doing things with materials, hard to flow materials in medical where they're able to actually um, use materials that they had discarded. You know, um, so we're doing a lot in the upstream developmental molding in in medical, because, as I mentioned earlier, that qualification process is quite burdensome. Um, Oh, so yeah. it's like you gotta get in early and qualify with it, but in qualify in qualifying at some of these developmental molders, we see people start to you know diminish what they have thought of as trade offs. so um so that's really exciting, you know. Uh, it just takes a long time. Um, (laughs) So there's a lot of exciting stuff there. On the marketing side, we're doing it a lot with um, more digital marketing. So, you know, we, we like everyone spends a lot at trade shows. It's um, I'm not sure what's going to happen, you know, in the future with trade shows. I mean, I'm, I'm questioning whether that investment will continue to pay off in the same way. We'll always do trade shows. We'll do the big ones, but you know, to have, you know, 10 on your docket every year, I think is not going to be the same. Um, and I think after, you know, these several years of virtual, um, work, people aren't going to expect it the same. So we're doing a lot more in our digital marketing and, um, I'm really excited about how we're targeting, um, how we're, you know, being able to um, reach people and then continue a conversation with them, you know, to get them to the point where they're interested to come in and, and trial and, and move forward. So we're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited to be where we are right now. I feel like we're right, we're right at the tipping point. Um, our CEO, Mary Wagner, you know, she's never satisfied. So (laughs) So it'll never be enough for her, but I feel like, you know, we are, um, our, our exposure is widening. Um, our results are getting the acknowledgement. People are opening up to the possibilities of molding differently. And so the world is, you know, changing. So we're, we're excited.
0: Yeah. I remember, um, You guys coming to the injection molding show um just at Penn State, you know, it's a it's a little show, it's mostly about like the um it's mostly about the talks and it's done every year except when it's an NPE year, some you know, shenanigans like that. And um I remember seeing a table and just being like, okay. And you know, I didn't necessarily give it much more thought than that. And um, looking back on it now, I'm like, man, if I would have just spent like like 10 minutes just asking some questions, like that would have been a lot, like I, I can think of applications or be
2: working I could have yeah. exactly. been
0: working there. <laughs> I don't know, you guys, can you guys handle me? <laughs> and, and, but you do hire a lot of Penn State grads, so I do, do. Um, I'm always a big fan of that. <laughs> so, I think we're about out of time, but
1: Joy, um, the uh, so where where can we where can we and or others see you next virtually and in person
2: or stalk you ah, virtually or stalk me virtually? So um, <laughs> yeah, I should have my list in front of me. So you can always come to influx.com um, and all of the um, when you go to our um, contact page, um, almost all of the requests come to me. So um, they come. Through, through our great administrative assistant, Sandy Rush, to me. And so if you're interested, that's one way. Um, of course, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, we will be at most of the shows this year. The big one, of course, is the K show. Um, several of the other ones leading up, we're just on pins and needles, like will it get moved, will it get canceled? Um, but um, I will be, the first one that I'll be at is the executive forum um, in Florida, and then uh, that's in March. In March, or April. Um, I, March. I should know this on the top of my head, but <laughs> March or April. Um, I'll be at Plastic West um, in Anaheim. Um, so, and, and then the new show in Detroit. The um, oh, the injectable design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I do that.
1: Do that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm really, I'm really interested to see how that show kicks off. Um, so I'll be there as well. Wonderful. Okay. Well,
1: maybe maybe we can um, have a, an in-person um, high five there. <gasps> Let's have Hi, a, little a little... high five.
0: <laughs> we'll be at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll find you there. Oh, meet you in the bathroom. Yes,
1: we'll meet you in the bathroom. We'll have snacks. Well, Toy Jones, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast with us today. Um, It it was a delight. My face hurts from smiling once again.
2: (laughs) Thank you. You guys have made this easy. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. Plastics, the Voices of Resin is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, inspiring plastics professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, SPE.org. Oh,
1: plastics.